On today's Keeping It Real, we are going to zoom the lens in on the 21st century church. So far, the episodes on this podcast have dealt largely with different unhealthy cultural phenomena, and in part, how it has affected the church. Today, we will dive into the church and her condition directly. There is a plague, an epidemic, if you will, going on amongst many people that claim the Christian label. This epidemic has taken over a big part of the life stage, and many haven't really realized it or haven't had the heart to care. As a result of a lack of conviction, we have a people that go to church Sunday mornings and perhaps participate in different church functions, but have not been changed, not been transformed by the power of God. This 14th episode of Keeping It Real has got to be a must-listen-to, entitled An Unchanged Church. Welcome to the Keeping It Real podcast. Only tired of fake stuff? Shouldn't we turn down a stale brand of living? It's time to open our hearts to Christ. It's time to keep it real. Here's your host, Ollie Gee. All right, and welcome to another edition of Keeping It Real. I'm your host, Ollie G. This is the 14th episode of this podcast. And you have not subscribed to this podcast yet. I greatly encourage you to do so and catch up on all the past episodes. Binge listen to those episodes. I believe that they can be of great inspiration and can greatly impact uh, your heart as they have mine as I've gone back and re-listened to a number of the episodes, the principles of scripture and having them be so impactful as the the word of God is a living, breathing word of God as we uh, discover in 2 Timothy 3.16. Today, we're going to be dealing with the church directly. Uh, I know that it's been referenced in a number of episodes, and we're going to be talking about cultural phenomena still. I mean, we're going to go back to that, and there'll be a little bit of a going back and forth as well as a combination of dealing with those that are outside of Christ versus those that are inside or in Christ or who at least claim to be in Christ. And that's going to be really the addressing here today. What makes up a Christian? That label is used so loosely anymore. People talk about how uh, I'm a Christian or they're a Christian, and there are so many loose descriptions or evaluations or definitions of that concept. And a lot of times what people say or who they describe being a Christian, they will put a behavioral label or a behavioral uh, description to that. And that's not really what makes it up. That's a part of it. But there is not just a simple change in behavior, especially if it comes from uh, a self-effort, a self-initiated effort. That certainly doesn't fall along the lines of how one becomes a Christian at all. So there are all kinds of different evaluations and how uh, someone comes to the conclusion of how someone comes to become a Christian. They base it off of church attendance, or they base it off of Um, time spent at church functions, or they base it off of perhaps even how much money they put in in the offering plate, or just being a member of a particular church or denomination or religion. They describe these things as Christian. Sometimes it's even a religion that's not even deemed or really uh, uh, looked upon as a Christian religion, but yet somehow those folks still get the Christian label. So what makes a Christian? We're going to answer that as we progress along in this edition of Keeping It Real. But may I suggest 
that right from the jump, I don't want to make uh, any bones about this. How someone comes to become a Christian is they accept Jesus Christ. They give their heart over to Jesus Christ. It is not a prayer that saves them or has them become a Christian. It is not an act in how someone becomes a Christian. It is a giving over of one's heart. And that is uh, not only true in that instance when it's done, but from that instance moving forward. What do I mean about someone giving over their heart to Jesus Christ? It means that they abandon, they reject, they turn away from an old way of life that is a sin-filled way of life, a life lived for self, and turning over to Jesus their whole life. Now, it doesn't mean that someone gets to become perfect from that point forward, and we will describe that more in detail as we move along with this edition of the podcast or within this episode, but there is a life change. You are going to hear a lot about change, a an obvious, a noticeable, a powerful life change that comes up, uh, about as a result of the truth of God's word and the power of God's spirit invading, infusing, taking over that person's life. Again, it doesn't mean that someone gets to be perfect. That doesn't happen on this side of heaven. It only happens when we fully enter the glory of heaven and walk the streets of gold and most importantly are in the presence of Christ. But as for now, as we live this life out on this planet known as earth, there is a clear life change. It doesn't lead to perfection, but it does lead to a difference, an obvious difference. I want to bring out a story that I call the Rory story. The Rory story. Rory was a, a the name of a guy that I once knew for about a year or two, very early on, went back, way back in my pastoral ministry days. And he was a guy that uh, I administered to time and time again. He was a kid, um, 19, 20 years old. Parents knew the Lord, or at least it certainly was seemed as though they knew the Lord, uh, had a love for the Lord, but they had a, a couple of children that they had a rough time with. And Rory was their oldest one. And he got to a point when he's 19, 20 years old, hooked on drugs. and But he claimed to know the Lord. And I once asked him, and I've asked many uh, people this question over the years, and I certainly asked him this. I said, from the time that you gave your life to Christ, and he described how that happened. It happened in a church service at an altar call, uh, which uh, I, I'm not very much in favor of. More on that as we move along with this episode as well. But he responded to an altar call and accepted the invitation to come to know Christ. And then I asked him, I said, um, how long did you really continue, continually live for the Lord? When, how long were you sold out to Christ for and really seeking to obey him, uh, live unto righteousness, love the Lord? How long did that last? And he said, well, it ended on the car ride home from the time he made that quote unquote profession of faith. May I suggest that there, in all likelihood, that he really didn't legitimately come to know the Lord. Now, I'm not the judge of anyone else's salvation. Um, I want to make that very clear. But the Word of God makes it clear on 
what takes place in a person's life upon receiving Christ as their Savior. There is clear teaching in God's Word that there is certain fruit that is to come about as a result of someone accepting Christ as Savior. And we will talk a lot in this episode of the podcast about what that fruit looks like, how it varies from one person to another. Not everyone grows the same or knows Christ at the same level, but there is to be a difference, which brings me to our core verse in 2 Corinthians 5.17 today. And I want to make it clear that the reality is that members of a completely unchanged church are not members of the church of Jesus Christ. Those are two different things or two different people. When we use the word church, we have to be clear that that word in the Greek Greek means, in the Greek, it's ekklesia. It means an assembly. It means a gathering. And so people gather together for all kinds of reasons under the sun. But when people of the church of Jesus Christ gather together, they gather together with the heart intent that they not only have they have been changed, but they want to rub shoulders. They want to uh, hang out with, cry with, laugh with, share life with people that also have been changed. There is a clear difference in their life. Members of the unchanged church have no real interest in gathering with that group of people. They would much rather gather with the people that also have been unchanged. Now, that so happens that these two groups oftentimes may cross paths or they gather together, but the comfort level is not there. And for obvious reasons or for uh, reasons that will be very clear as we move along here today. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, this ought to be a pretty familiar verse to many Christians that have been a part of the faith, that is legitimate Christians who have accepted Jesus Christ as their savior and have undergone the life change, this verse should be fairly familiar. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, what may you know? What, what? How do we know that there is a a difference? Well, the heart change check is the way how I'll describe that in this episode of the podcast as we move along to t today. The heart change check involves two things. First of all, it involves position in Christ. The Apostle Paul says here again in this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. That phrase, in Christ, appears 164 times in the New Testament, or specifically in the Pauline epistles, Epi the letters written by Paul. That phrase, in Christ, appears 164 times. We have a direct correlation between a conditional statement that is made here by Paul and this phrase, in Christ. He says, therefore, if, that word if is very important. This verse, if you take that word out, take that if word out, you change the whole meaning of this verse. And I believe you would change really the meaning of the gospel. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This doesn't say anyone who names the name of Jesus. It says, if anyone is in Christ, and it involves a position 
in Christ. There's one of two positions for every single person. They are either in Christ or they are outside of Christ. In Christ means that a person has legitimately been converted, been regenerated, been transformed, been saved by Christ. They have become a new person, a new creation. The heart change check involves position. What is your position, dear listener? If you were to be gut level honest with yourself and you were to examine your own heart, your own life for just a moment, are you in Christ? Has there been a time where you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, but not just having prayed a prayer or not just having experienced an emotional moment at a crusade, at a conference, at a church service, or just even in a home or whatever, it's got to go way beyond a moment. It's got to go way beyond an emotional moment. There has to be a life change, and we will get more into that part of it in a few moments. Can we confidently say that we are in Christ? Has there been a time and has there been a life that has been reflective of, yes, I know Jesus Christ. My life hasn't been perfect. And, and listen, I'll speak to that very emphatically. My life has been far from perfect. I have committed sin. I have failed the Lord. I have fallen short of his glory, but I can look at my life and see that my life is tremendously different now than what it was 27 years ago when I did not know Christ. And my life is tremendously different, not because of a behavioral change that has been brought about because of uh, going to motivational classes or having a greater desire or having this um, interest and just wanting to become more like Christ. Jesus has done a work in my heart. It has been a work of conviction that has come from God that has burdened my heart, broken my heart, and wanted me to live more for him. So there is a great work of conviction taking place in my life, and it will happen in the life of any person that truly knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. We've had a number of special guests on here, a regular vote, uh, rotation of from Tanya to Joe to Stup to Veronica, who will be back on again next time. These lives have been radically changed by the cause of Christ. They give great testimony of how God has radically transformed them. Whether if it was Joe who was uh, on drugs at one point and radically delivered from that. He couldn't have done that on his own if he tried a million times. God radically transformed his life. Tanya, an orphan from Moldova, come to this country. And yes, she received the blessing of having Christian parents, but she got greatly convicted by the Lord that she needed to come to know him, that she needed to be saved, and she needed healing from all of her past hurts. As a, and as a result, her life has been traumatically transformed. Stop. I grew up or I went to college with. Both of us drank a lot together. Both of us were lost in the presence of God. And him, a little bit more recently, has come to know the Lord, has turned away from alcohol, has turned away from uh, foul language, has, has turned a life away from a life of perversion to devoting his life to following the Lord. That couldn't have happened uh, on his own if he tried 
in in his dreams. Veronica, an incredible woman who has experienced much hurt, who was lost, did a lot of the things that her peers were doing, you know, and did all made all kinds of worldly choices. And she got delivered from that life and now works for a comp- a Christian company, a company that she didn't pick. God placed it in her lap. She was overjoyed, didn't even think that she could was even worthwhile to be there. And now God has blessed her to work for the Daily Grace Company. All testimonies of lives that have been radically transformed by God. Chances are maybe you know of someone, not only your own life, but you know of someone in your life that you can point to and go, wow, I have known them from before they were in Christ to now they know the Lord, seen the change. People have seen that in my life. People who are even still outside of Christ, they cannot deny the change that has taken place in my life. And it's because of the position that I hold, a position that has brought about confidence, not a cockiness, a confidence. There is a heart within me that trusts in the Lord, not as much as I should. Again, I falter and I fail, but I trust the Lord. That is a great difference from 27 years ago where I didn't trust the Lord at all. I didn't even trust him, the fact that he loved me, which brings me to my next point. Not only is there a confidence from this position, but there's love in this position. I want to go back a few verses from before our core verse. Again, our core verse is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Verse 14 in chapter 5 says this, for the love of Christ compels us. That's the way that verse starts off. For the love of Christ compels us. How is it that I was even being able to be brought into this position? It was the love of Christ, the love that was dealing with me and convicting me and nurturing me and comforting me and breaking me, but then restoring me. The love of Christ is very real and it's active. So the love of Christ compels us not only to come to faith in Christ, to be in a rightful position with Christ. That's what the heart change check involves. Not only is it ever present at the point of salvation, it is present from that point forward. If I have an opportunity to love on someone else, speak encouragement to someone else, speak some fruit into someone else's life, pray with someone from a heart that, that cares That is the love of Christ that is compelling me to do those things. That is not a self-initiated effort. That's not just a simple behavioral change. Oh, I took some behavioral classes. I took some self-help classes. I I went to a self-esteem conference. None of that has any kingdom value at all, and it really has no value or not much value to any person at all. The only value is found in Jesus Christ. You want the real change? Christ changes a life from the inside out, and it's done and and drenched in love. Churches are filled with people that are not in the proper position. And again, it's not for me to judge that. Listen, it's always been characteristic of this way. Paul warned many of the churches that he visited, beware of false teachers. Okay, There were false teachers that were in their midst. False teachers does not equate to people who are in Christ. Those are two different people. They cannot be teaching false doctrine. I mean, blatant false doctrine. Teaching that Jesus and works are the way to be saved or the way to be right with God. A tremendous error. Someone cannot be in Christ 
teaching that works will save someone or that church identification or church affiliation will save someone. So the problem is, is that churches are filled with people who are not in proper position. There's been no reconciliation to God. There's been no regeneration. They are left unsaved. They have relied on a decision that was made. And listen, I've loved Billy Graham, but one of the fallacies of the Billy Graham crusades is go up front to a counselor at a tent or off to the side of the stage somewhere, pray this prayer, and you will come to know the Lord. I love his son, Franklin Graham. He's airing ads on TV. Just pray this prayer, and you will be saved. The prayer doesn't save. Jesus' divine work in someone's life saves. And then from that point forward, you see the clear evidence of that change continuing to manifest itself in all kinds of different ways and all kinds of different avenues of life. I, I am just not a big proponent of just praying the sinner's prayer or responding to an altar call or having an emotional moment. There has got to be a legitimate life change as a result of one's giving their heart and really their whole life over to Jesus Christ. That is what gets someone in the proper position. Well, not only does the heart change check involve proper position, it involves a transition, which I've already kind of alluded to. I haven't been able to help myself, but to allude to the transition, now we're going to really dive and center a lot all the more into this whole idea of transition. Again, bear in mind, that the reality is that the members of the completely unchanged church are not members of the church of Jesus Christ. Those are two different people. It's two different, two different things. So there's got to be a transition, a transition from old to new. Again, let's look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you buy a car, and perhaps, especially if you buy a new car, I mean, that's true of buying a used one as well. But if you buy a new car, you sign the papers, the car is now yours. You drive it off the lot. That car depreciates the minute you drive it off the lot. If you buy a car, let's just throw a figure out there. You buy a car for $25,000. As soon as you drive it off the lot, two seconds after you drive it off the lot, that car is not worth $25,000 anymore. It might be worth $24,960, maybe $24,975, whatever it is, but it's not worth the $25,000 you paid for it. It depreciates as soon as as you drive it off the lot. And then from that point forward, it depreciates more and more. It The value of that vehicle becomes less and less. Well, for the person who is legitimately in Christ, that is, he is a member of the church of Jesus Christ, his or her life has been changed by the power of God. They know Christ. There is a transition, and the transition that occurs is the exact opposite of what happens to an automobile as soon as you purchase it. When you buy a car, it depreciates as soon as you drive it off the lot. When someone comes to know the Lord, they appreciate from that point forward. They become, because listen, a car, we've all seen it, unfortunately. We've seen how 
a car or like anything else, any appliance, any machine, it gets wear and tear. It starts to not function as well. And it gets to a point where it doesn't function at all. A car gets rusted out. Uh, parts need to be replaced. And even if you replace them, other parts then don't function as well and what have you. And it gets to a point where that car isn't worth having anymore. It just doesn't, it ends up costing you more money than what the car's worth. A Christian's life, it's the opposite. They don't depreciate, they appreciate. They get to be more shiny. They get to be uh, more noticeable. Noticeable because of, again, the love that is burning on the inside of them, the spirit, God's spirit working on the inside of them, the behavioral changes that take place as a result of the conviction of God in their lives. There is an, uh, an appreciation. There is, they're becoming more new. They're becoming shinier. They're becoming, they're, they're becoming this, just this incredible uh, vessel for the Lord because they become more, they get to be made more and more into the image of Christ, as it says in the scriptures. The transition is noticeable. And listen, how do we know this? Because again, in verse 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I love that phrase. All things have become new. So in other words, it's not just one or two things. It's not just some things, but not others. It is all things. Now, again, this isn't addressing perfection. Perfection is not referenced. It is not within the context of any scripture that deals with living in this life on this side of heaven. It doesn't deal with that. Paul's not addressing perfection. He's addressing a transition. He's addressing a life change. Behavioral changes come out of conviction coming under conviction. How do we come under conviction? Well, by making ourselves available to the Lord. Again, there's we can't muster up conviction. Listen, we, we've got nothing to offer the Lord. Uh, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags, or his ways are higher than our ways, as the scripture says. But if we just come into his presence, in the place of prayer, searching the scriptures, not out of duty, not out of a sense of a re religious obligation, but just making ourselves available, just saying, here I am, Lord. As James says, if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. In that same passage in James, he says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. If we cast all of our cares upon him, we know that he will meet us where we are because he cares for us. There is something about just making ourselves available. And then as we do that, the conviction of God will come. And sometimes it'll be painful. Sometimes it'll be things that we're our flesh are not really all that excited about. But it is for our good. It makes us more into the image of Christ. And that is what God is after. He wants us to undergo this life change, this behavioral changes that come out of conviction, God's conviction upon our lives. But not only that, even greater than that is the spiritual change that comes about that's based on love. Again, God's loving activity in our lives. Think about when we first got saved. If you truly know Christ, if you are, if you hold to the position that you are a Christian because you are in Christ, and that is legit, then 
Think about it. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us. He first loved us because he's the one that sent his son to be the propitiation. That is the substitution, the perfect sacrifice for our sins. The transition doesn't stop. I love that. It is glorious. The transition doesn't just go for a little while and then eh, it just kind of stops. It's not like going to college, you know, for those of you that maybe have been to college and you got excited, you got there the first day and it's exciting, a whole new environment, it's independence, it's um, all kinds of people and newness, and you're excited about this next chapter of your life. Well, after four years, or for some, maybe it takes a little bit longer, uh, after four years, five years or so, then it's over. You get, you graduate, you get your diploma and it's over. You enter into the life of employment. You get a job. Maybe you get one job that you work at for 40 some years. Maybe you get multiple jobs. Maybe you work at one job for 10 years, another one for 10 years, and another one for 20. Maybe you work 10 different jobs. It doesn't matter. Then it gets to the point where you hit retirement and you're able to retire, but also just your physical ability just doesn't allow you to keep working uh, at a certain point. That runs out. The transition does never run out. We continue to look more like Christ, be more like Christ as we allow him to work in our lives, or we are desperate enough to want him to work in our lives. He makes us more like him, and that transition doesn't stop. He says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are to become new. And what the Greek literally means there, it means that the old things are passed away and we continually become made to be more new. We are made, we are made more new as we continue to seek Christ or he, he is at work in our lives. So some change gradually, some change more rapidly. But members of the church of Jesus Christ, every single one of them have changed. There is change, and it's a result of God's work of conviction and his work of love in the lives of his people. Again, the reality is that members of the completely unchanged church are not members of the church of Jesus Christ. They are two different people. We, If you are listening to this, my challenge, my loving challenge is to read 2 Corinthians 13, 5 to you, or just basically exhort you with this. Examine yourselves as to whether if you are in the faith. Paul made that challenge to the Corinthians, and all I'm doing now is just repeating that. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. If you are a member of the unchanged church, again, church being an assembly, a gathering of people, and you are comfortable being part of a gathering where there are people that haven't been changed, legitimately changed by the power of God, where they are in Christ and where there is a transition that's taken place. My challenge to you is, is that you would be desperate enough to search the scriptures to be able to tell the difference because there's a clear difference. Listen, you may go to an institutional church. You may go to a house church. You may be part of an organic church, which I'm a big proponent of. But wherever you go to assemble on Sunday mornings or some other day of the week, 
And if you are part of a group within that gathering, it may not be the whole gathering, but there may be a group of people that are comfortable enough to be a part of that gathering, to continue to live outside of Christ. My challenge to you is, is that you would examine yourself as to whether if you are in the faith. And if you truly were to be honest with yourself, and if there has not been a life change in your life, like Rory, as I mentioned from the top, if there has not been a change that you can attribute the glory of God to, the power of his spirit to, the freedom of his word to, if you cannot give testimony of that, be desperate enough to search the scriptures to see the difference. There was a difference between people that played God and that really knew God. There was a difference between the Israelites in the wilderness and Moses and Joshua. There was a difference between those that played God throughout his, Israel's history and the prophets, those who warned the people about not trusting God. So be desperate enough to search the scriptures. Where in the Bible? The Bible's a big book. I would start reading in the Gospel of John. Just look at the life of Jesus because he's the standard. And look at how people gave their lives to Christ, whether if it was Nicodemus in John chapter 3, the woman at the well in John chapter 4, or the man at the pool of Bethesda, John chapter 5. And on and on it goes. People gave everything. The disciples dropped their nets. After the biggest catch of fish of their lives, they dropped everything to follow Jesus. That is the kind of devotion that Jesus is looking for, and he will do the rest. Just be willing to lay your life down. And for those of us who know the Lord, we can share in Stephen Curtis Chapman's testimonial song called The Change. The lyrics go, what about the change? What about the difference? What about the grace? What about forgiveness? What about a life that's showing I'm undergoing the change? Yeah, I'm undergoing the change.